Most welcome, dear listener. You've made it to the final part. It's the final part of the Maiden Mania special, and this consists of a recorded conversation in between me and Joel and Axel Brink from Maiden Podden, which I did some weeks prior to our Maiden Mania special, actually, with kind of, you know, as both research and material for this bonus episode. And on Wednesday, we're back with a, yeah, let's say normal Games for Riff show, if there is any as such. All right, time to hit it. Maiden Mania special part four featuring Maiden Podden. Here we go! Game for Riffs! All right, so I'm very happy to be here with Maiden Podden. Yeah. Which is the Scandinavian Iron uh, Maiden podcast that I'm, I've been very into lately. And uh, it's uh, in Swedish uh, by Finns, or what would you say? Yeah. Pretty That's much, great. yeah. It, it's great to be on the show as well, and uh, it's great to, to practice the language um, of the band that we actually adore, and really... Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We talk about yeah. them in Swedish, but, but now we can actually talk about the lyrics. Yeah, yeah yes, speaking the kings. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Maybe you'd like to give a, like a quick introduction of yourself as, um, as people, as persons, and maybe your connections to, um, to riffs, since that's oh. our main topic. And, uh, I, could, uh, I could start. Well, uh, I've been, I'm 30 years old and I've been a musician most of my life. Uh, heavy metal came into my life maybe around the age of 12, 13. It was my brother, Ewell, showed me Iron Maiden. And from then on, it's been a history lesson in hard rock and heavy metal. And I've listened to most of it. And somewhere along the line, I picked up a guitar, started playing drums as well. And, uh, my connect, like my biggest connection to riffs, is maybe through stoner rock and like sludge and doom. Mm. Uh, since I played in a doom uh, sort of uh, desert rock band, very riffy genre, really. really it is a very riffy. Like the whole, we talk often about uh, the stoner bands trying to find the perfect riff. Yes, they are yes. very into that, and you know, it's not entirely different to uh, the old Sabbath riffs from the early seventies. No, no, no. Always trying like, to, yeah trying to maybe find an even heavier way to play those uh, yeah. like pentatonic like type, type. There need to be a, a heavier riff that's like, that's the guiding light in Doom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the much. heaviest riff already invented or? I oh. hope not, I hope not. <laughs> I don't think so. There's a few really heavy riffs out there, but yeah. the perfect riff isn't yet to, is yet to be found. Yeah, that's good. Sounds good. Promising for the future, at least. And yeah, exactly. Perfect to look forward to. It's like an angle. Yeah. Perfect if as an angle. It's something to strive for, but it's not really something you could arrive upon. Hopefully. No, no. But yeah. if someone like says just riff the word, I instantly just think about like ACDC. Yeah. So um, that's like the first gut feeling of a riff. That's ACDC. Mm. And do you remember because, your first favorite riff or your, the first time you kind of, oh, this is a riff and I like it? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, it would have been Holy Diver by Dio, uh, I think. I was 13 years old. I was out uh, like slalom skiing and my friend who was a f- few years older and into metal, he was like, have you heard Dio? And I never heard it. And he said, when you come home, you should find Holy Diver. Mm-hmm. And I did. And it just blew me away. That riff is fantastic Let's like see to this I, day it's if i remember it something like yeah. Oh, yes. right yeah, yeah that's right 
it's, it's a very standard type riff, but it's in C. It's not in E. So it's, it's ah, kind of that's heavy. true. Normally, you stick around the, the seventh fret for that type of riff, you know, like a yeah. weaker man. Or yeah, something. It, it's almost like it would be like down tuned in a way because yeah, it's exactly. like you're, yeah, you're expecting to hear that riff in E, but it's in C. It's a bit lower. Yeah. yeah that's what makes it heavy. Very heavy. And it's, uh, with, yeah. with the video's vocals, you can't really go wrong. No, no, no. Yeah. I've been but maybe it was something that he took with him from Sabbath. Mm. Could be, could be, yeah. I mean, he yeah. when, when he started there, I remember from um, from Tony that he said that Dio doesn't really sing upon riffs. He sings more upon the chords or yeah. the root notes, whereas Ozzy would kind of mimic the riffs and, and go that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he, I, he for sure loves riffs, and just like Bruce, he, he writes riffs. He, mm. yeah. you know, he composes music with songs, and we will get into some of Bruce's riffs um, later as well, because it's interesting nice. to hear like how, how they differ from the way a guitarist would write them or the way Steve would write riffs. Right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, you will. Yeah, uh, brother of Axel. Uh, I live in, in Stockholm, so, so we do podcasts as well on, on different locations. Axel record from yeah, Finland. Yeah, I'm in Finland. I record in, yeah. I record in Sweden. So we use the new modern digital technology. But it's, it's quite nice. I mean, it's also a reason for us to... to catch up on things, mostly on Maiden, of course, which is the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, I would have talked yeah. so much about family health and shit like that. That's <laughs> not really no. anything we, we worry about so much. But no, um, Maiden fans since around, since the Brave New World era, I would say. So I kind of, it's like, uh, you know, following a football club when the when they get the millionaire to sponsor them so it's yeah I'm really exactly like one of those like true <laughs> i mean true i was metal heads who's been there in the you know in the gutter and and when they were shit i was not there when they were shit i came back you know i found made them when they were as as good as they could possibly be yeah i was in i was in just a year or two before from my younger cousin actually but he's just a half a year younger and he showed me best of the beast and then uh, i got really into number of the beast because i felt like this this must be the coolest album when i saw it mm. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah, and it is the time. coolest album. Yeah. It, it is the is. coolest album. It kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is. It's the coolest look of the band, I think. Uh, I like yeah. the look on that album. And also the sound is, is brilliant because, yeah, last last week or maybe even this week, uh, Martin Birch passed away, right? Mm. Yes. So I had a, yes. I, I had a major run through um, everything he's done. And I think Number of the Beast is up there among the best sound. It sounds so good. Yeah. It's, all, it's kind of perfect. But so is Power Slave, I would say. As well, mm. yeah, and and to all uh, our listeners out there, if any one of you uh, understands Swedish, you should listen to our three-hour and seventeen-minute-long episode about Number of the Beast. Yeah, I think it's your best so far. I really, really enjoyed that one, and it was one of the earlier ones. That it was when I got to know you, so to speak. I mean, I'm, meet, uh-huh. I'm meeting you now for the first time in person, <laughs> within quotes. But uh, yeah. that's a funny thing with podcasts; you kind of get to know the hosts, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's interesting. And uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're to not lose topic, uh, you will, your first connections with, uh, I guess, the word riff and, and a riff. Well, uh, I'm a drummer myself, so I have never really, in that sense, sort of been able to produce riffs. Um, I have to say, though, the only riff I still can play or could play at least was uh, Smoke on the Water, but only on one string. Yeah, so <laughs> it was my first like... riff too. <laughs> Playing the wrong way too, in the wrong key. 
Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't care about that as long as it the melody was somewhat similar to <laughs> what it sounded like. That's so. That's my like number one riff, and and obviously, I mean, the song that also helped me bring me into heavy metal and and, and to listen to heavier stuff. So it, it's a mm-hmm. like a cliche, obviously, to bring up "Smoke on the Water" in this case. But <laughs> but it's kind I of wish the... I could have been more innovative than that. But <laughs> it's kind of the riff. So it's not really that. It is, it's not it wrong, is the really. riff, yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, Richard Blackmore is very, very favored among all of Maiden. Uh, mm. Yeah. Like he's a big inspiration for them. And, um, so it's, it makes sense. I have what to be perfectly honest. I, I, I must now out myself. I actually thought Richard Blackmore was dead since many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy when we did the, the tribute episode to Martin Birch. Yeah. When he talked about how easy and or how he worked with with Richie, obviously during the Deep Purple times, and I kind of you know, I thought he was he died in like an OD or something when he was like in his thirties <laughs> in the seventies. But then I realized, fuck, he's alive. He was alive now, right now. Good news. And I, I was so happy. <laughs> Actually, bro, made my day. Richie is not dead. He's alive. He's not dead at all. Wow. But he's wearing a wig, I, I think, because he had less hair uh, in in the seventies than he has today. Mm- Aha. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> What's going on? Or, may- or maybe he's like here? Benjamin Button or something that he grows. Or, or he uh, just uh, switched uh, his shampoo provider. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I want like Blaze with them. Like Blaze Bailey did when we talked to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely. Completely bold. And he said he, yeah. he bought the wrong shampoo. I guess yeah. so. I Poor guess. man. Yeah. yeah, he was on your show too, right? It's cool that he's, yeah, he's, he has a pretty good. Uh, uh, grassroots type uh, thing going on with his own yeah. label and everything. Yeah, yeah, no, he's it's a real easy to reach, I guess. Guy. Yeah, but you had to wait for a few months, right, to get him on the show. Yeah, we had to that's, do that. We thought it right. was um, we had him like the next week, but then it was like three months in advance. Yeah. But that yeah. that was not big. It was good good having him on board, and we had a long chat actually with him. I think we. We scheduled like 15 minutes that we thought we had him, but I had him had him for well over an hour actually. So yeah, that kind of was it. <laughs> and about Richie being dead, I guess you know I've mentioned before in this show that I, he's not dead, but I've mentioned before in this show that I'm half Finnish, and I think uh, Finns uh, we don't really have a problem with uh, with uh, like uh, morbid morbid topics. No. No, 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 okay no. Fins don't have generally problems with death either. It's okay. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all right. It's, it's kind of a natural thing right. in Finland. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like a, a comfortable uh, gloominess, I would say, to, to any, yeah. any exactly. non uh, like, At least for me. At least for me. It's like yeah. always, you know, with, with friends, when we run out of topics, we always talk about death. And yeah. it's kind of yeah. it's a happy feeling after that, <laughs> isn't it, Akta? Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, you get feedback on all your thoughts about like life and death and dying and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I scare off some people here in Stockholm that are more into the kind of um, prektig style. You know, ah, yeah. I, I get it. Yeah, but they are they deserve that. They should they they should learn. I think. Yeah, you know? that, life uh, is a waiting room. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, Axel, go ahead. With my old, uh, with my old doom band, the most doom thing I ever did was having beers at Skogskyrkogården in uh, in Stockholm. Uh, it's a big, big right. cemetery. Yeah, so we just hung out by that big, big ass uh, cross in rock. That's uh, I think entombed had a photo shoot back there. Sure, and some, sometime in the nineties. Yeah, so we just hung out there and had beers. And it felt really doom. 
Uh, that's very, uh, very yeah. morbid, right? I, I'm yeah, actually right by that. quite morbid. I'm sitting there oh. now, kind of, yeah. It's just meters away. I, I walk there sometimes. Mm. It's, it's nice. Next, nest gorge, as we say. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. And I think, you will. you're on the other side of the city, right? Other side of the line. Yeah. I am, yeah. I am on the, the green line, as it's yeah. called here. That's the green line. line, so. Exactly. Far away. Yeah, and death. I mean, death is a very common word in Iron Maiden too, right? How many album yeah. titles? Three? Three album titles with that in? Yeah, what the hell? That <laughs> caught me off guard there. Yeah. But I actually, I think I looked, there was some study made on the amount of words. And I actually think death, like instead of the and, and these kind of extra words. Yeah. But death was the most common used word in, in Maiden lyrics. I'm 99% sure that that's a fact. Because I, I saw some study somewhere. Some some <laughs> some fan had, had made some kind of research, as they do. Yeah, as they do. Yeah. They did this AI also, the, the artificial intelligence. Uh, yeah, they wrote a code or, or some algorithm or something that just made the work for them. Yeah, but yeah. I think it was more fun with ACDC, actually, and Metallica was more fun. Uh, Maiden was, <laughs> ah, he didn't really get there, I think. It's just, uh, no. it's just a scramble of words, really. But we're not going to talk about lyrics today. We're, we're here to talk about uh, riffs and our Maiden riffs, really. Yeah. It's, it's our topic cool. of today. And I thought that we would kind of take turns and bring up some favorite riffs, but also maybe interesting riffs or something that, you, you know, we could mm -hmm. comment and discuss about. And I, I thought we'd do like a roundtable version and we, maybe we will go by, by letter. So, mm -hmm. yeah, Axel first. Okay. Um, well, the first riff I came to think about when it's like, let's focus in on a discussion about riffs and Iron Maiden. It just struck me that Maiden is so melodic that it's, it's, quite rare that you get the old like good old riff like in a sort of traditional uh context but the riff i thought uh, that came to mind is back in the village from power slave uh it's like we haven't even done the power slave episode yet but i'm just gonna be open about it that it's like one of my favorite iron maiden riffs and i think it's like an it's a hidden gem of a song as well uh, and it's just so wild and so much energy and it's Adrian like I don't know he he just plays it really well with uh, yeah. yeah it's a yeah, really so. really good riff it's a very cool riff sadly I can't play it otherwise I would add lib it now <laughs> it's, it's yeah cool it's riff. it's such a like it's yeah it's a bit of a deep uh, a lot know. of uh, pull-offs uh, to open strings I do believe uh, yeah yeah nice a lot of pull-ups yeah really and that like yeah and a really nice wide like metal vibrato on yeah. certain notes and it's yeah it's just nice it's interesting it's interesting that you bring up also that they, they are not really a very riffy band it's a lot of melodies and chords and kind mm. of traditional um, folk music type vibe yeah exactly exactly uh, with some maybe punkish. Yeah. I mean, earlier on, I would say in in the beginning, it was a more more like a straightforward rocky kind of riffs, but that yeah. sort of you know outgrew in a way during the eighties, during the real heydays, they sort of got replaced by by pure melodies instead. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. But there's still some some uh, modern era uh, big ass riffs, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they yeah, kind of made absolutely. a comeback. Come yeah. back, in my opinion. I mean, during the after the metal two thousand, Janik also he's a good riff writer. He comes yes. up with very riffy riffs that we will get to later. But now we're on uh, back in the village. It's an interesting song. It opens the 
the B side of um, of um, Power Slave. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the it's, second it's, opener, and it is it's, it's a strange song. I would say strange title. Yeah, it is a very strange song. Yeah. Back in the village, <laughs> uh, like yeah. Um, deep cut. They deep never deep. played it live, I think. Um, and it's like yeah, it's just a forgotten song, but. It's, yeah, it's uh, one of my favorites on on that record. Mm. Deep cut, I would say, it's very much like mm-hmm. a maiden deep cut. Maybe one of the first you would bring up. And uh, I, I make no no secret that Adrian Smith is my favorite guitarist in the band. He's just such a good guitarist. Yeah, very yeah, inspiring yeah, yeah. tone and his precision, and also his his kind of as you've addressed many times that he has this kind of uh, pop sensibility in him as well. Yes, yeah, so yeah, he cool. can write really catchy stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say? What's the feeling you get off of that riff? Uh, I guess you mean the intro riff, right? Yeah, yeah the intro riff. It's yeah. so, and what happens in the verses as well. Um, I don't know. There's so much going on. It's really, really intense riff, and there's like just uh, the energy levels are really high. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's like a good song if if I go out for a run or something. I just put it off, uh, put it on, and and I don't know. It just gives me this energy i need to pull off a few kilometers of running yeah, uh, yeah so energy yeah. basically basically and it kind yeah. of puts the lyrics too right and fox among the chickens yeah, yeah that's like the way he sings that as well mm-hmm. it's so intense and yeah some some really type angry. of chaos some type of chaos yeah. happening or at least uh, uh, at least uh, action you know it's not yeah that. I, I think i don't know what it's about like i haven't read the actual lyrics in ages but i always think of like the vietnam war or something when i hear that mm-hmm. track it's mm. actually a continuation of uh, the prisoner so it's in the ah. same yeah it's still in that in the village is, it, I, I haven't seen it, that but it's apparently a part of that lore or that world okay aha mm-hmm. uh-huh. Okay, didn't know that. Ah, yeah, so it's thanks. another continuing saga there, and it's not only Charlotte the Harlot. So, no, I think exactly. it's two parts. But that's it. And you want to chime in on on back in the village? You will. You have anything on that riff? Yeah, I mean, I, and I love the drums when they come in when Nico. Mm. It's everything mm. is so happy in a way. Uh, I think yeah. the song is very happy, upbeat. Yeah, very upbeat and very sort of like Axel said, it gives me a lot of energy. But also, I mean, it's one of the happier moments in Maiden. Even yeah. though Bruce sings with such an attitude in the song. and But I mean, it, for me as well, it's a, it's really like a, an old, a deep cut that should deserve a lot more attention than it has. And I think it's kind of a fan favorite in many ways. Mm. I don't think anybody yeah. would mind on a live show if suddenly Adrian would, would start I'd be, that. I'd be very happy. I'd be, I'd be going apeshit over that, actually. Yeah. yeah. Starting that riff and with their great live sound that they have now. Yes. But sim- similarly to that, on that same album, of course, I mean, Flash of the Blade is, is a little bit of a similar type of, you know, opening with a, yeah. with a clean guitar. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the that I that I brought for today. So I, I can mm-hmm. quickly emulate that. It's uh, We're getting a little bit out of uh, sync here, but... Uh, we will be on to Ewell's Reef soon. Right? Yeah, that's great. It's a that's great. Riff. It's a Bruce He wrote it. Hmm. Really? Yeah, because it's, it's credited to Dickinson only. Yeah. Ah, 
And he said that if it's Dickinson only, he wrote the lot, as, as the Brits say. <laughs> so okay. it's not hard to play, prob- play without That probably <laughs> explains the simplicity. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Here while playing it, actually. You only need exactly. one index finger. <laughs> That's nice. Is it open string? Uh, it's uh, you. It's kind of a just pull-ups off of uh, frets on the D string. So ah. you change the position of, of the index finger pull-off. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Ah, cool. But it also sounds a bit like techno to me in a good way. Mm? Yeah, Are it has a trancey vibe or something. It could be like a dark synth. Something. Yeah. Because yeah. I also perturbator. I've heard mm. that Axel, you like some electronic music. Yeah, I like. I'm a big fan of electronic music. And I also yeah. have a long period of that, or it's ongoing, of course. But uh, I kind of now, now I'm in the heavy metal land again. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have the same. I listen to more, like more and more metal. Uh, like over the course of the year, I've been really into metal. Yeah, again, again it's, so it's, it's nice. The fucking Corona, I would say. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it probably. doesn't bring so much joy. So you need to take out the frustration somewhere. You need some energy, like back in the village type energy. Exactly. Right? Exactly. All right. Yeah, I think we should stride on, and uh, you will uh, your first riff of the. What would that be? Well, my first riff of the day is actually going to go all the way back to the very, very beginning. I'm going to choose Prowler, mm. because I think that's uh, again a very kind of basic riff, but played in a way that I haven't really heard before and after mm. either. So it's it's fresh and unique. But very sort of simple in a way. It's it yeah. could be an ACDC type of, of riff. Mm. Kind of punk. Definitely. It has this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just the E power chord, right? And then uh, mm, yeah. switch it around, and then you have that nice uh, war melody on top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of it makes me think about like Alice Cooper or something. It could be like an Alice Cooper riff as well. Yeah, I absolutely love that song. But I'm gonna send the ball back to you, and I can give your lowdown on it. Yeah, no, but as, as I said, I mean the, the simplicity and it, the way it opens again the record with mm. pure guitars must be Dave, I guess, who's doing the business and then then sort of following with the melody on top and and also the drum beats that comes. Uh, that doesn't go straight into a like a, a proper comp. What the fuck is mm. that in? <laughs> a, a proper uh, pattern. Pattern, yeah, exactly. So it goes yeah. in with with hits, and then sort of Steve along, of course, with the drumming as he always does, uh, mm. and, and then sort of yeah, and again with uh, Paul kind of following the, the over the melody, the melody yeah. that lies lies on top, yeah. So kind it's of like uh, yeah, in it's the Aussie fashion, as we talked about before, that Aussie would mimic the riffs on top of them. And it's kind mm. of yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think maybe they had to do it to some extent with Paul as well, as he, we talked about, you know, Paul's contribution and Paul's voice, and especially mm. about obviously when when Bruce came in, back in the picture in in, in November, or, or sorry, in Number of the Beast. So uh, I mean, he had limited resources in that sense. Martin, now mm. he didn't produce this first album, but he produced the second. So maybe it was a reason for Steve to actually, you know, write the melodies and 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 to get Paul to follow on that. Could mm. be. I don't. I'm not too sure, but you think he maybe whistled, probably whistled that melody, maybe. 
I don't know. I've heard that. Yeah, because that's what Steve always does when he's uh, writing his songs. He whistles the the melody. Cool technique. Cool technique. All right. I I had one contact with Steve Harris in my life, and it was very early, so it felt good to me because around Metal 2000, I could you could Mm -hmm. write your question. And I was 13, so my question was not very good. I (laughs) I would have known the answer. I asked him, "Are you as great of a guitar player as your guitar players?" (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, is not. And he said, I wish. That's nice. But you had had an exchange with Steve Harris. You know, this kind of a bit of a divine intervention or whatever you would call that. (laughs) (laughs) When we are into the bad questions, I mean I I interviewed Adrian back in the days as well during the I think it was the Dance of Death tour. And I asked him because they use a lot of uh, synthesizers on the on the Dance of Death City, mostly strings and stuff. So I asked if they plan to bring up like a a seventh keyboard player on stage, which was obviously quite a stupid question, as they have, you know, <laughs> seventh son of a seventh son and all of these. They've been using so much synthesizers before. So, I mean, all of a sudden, why would they do that now? Yeah. yeah. At the same time, they must truly respect that because they know and they are very happy about the fact that the new fans come in all the time. Yeah, mm. that's true. So they don't, I don't think they would expect you to know every single detail about the band, right? Uh, no. no, of course not. I mean, as a of young man, because you interviewed him in in your teens, probably. Yeah, yeah, quite early on. And I mean, that's also the whole reason with our podcast is is to learn. So, so we are not like the, the self, the guys who knows the best. We are like exploring this in a public mm. way. That's kind of the whole whole purpose of our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Is to learn together. That's what we try to do as well, and we always stress stress that we're not super good guitarists either. It's more about you know, circling the topic and getting in on what the, the riff is about, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I don't know if I would want to listen to an Yngwie Malmsteen podcast either. <laughs> no, <Nah. maybe. laughs> Then there's YouTube for that, if you want to see perfect playing. Exactly, and he would yes. most likely not be talking so much, Yngwie. I think he would be only shredding away <laughs> during the podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> we have a Swedish show, it's uh, Moreos Memera, so this mm-hmm. musician from Dalarna, the county here in Sweden, and he he has guests, and uh, they mm-hmm. usually jam with him because he's a very, very good musician. You can check him mm-hmm. out with, with Mustache, for example. He's soloing on top of Double Nature by, by the by Mustache, and he's he's very, very ah. good at that. It's not even his main instrument. I think his violin. Ah. When Ingrid Malmsteen was on the show, and they tried to jam, you can't jam with him. Every other musician serves him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Serves him. We could get back there to Maiden and to Prowler that it's not really the case in Maiden. It's always a co-joint force. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's also why it may be hard to pinpoint riffs in this band because they are all usually layered and work together. Yes. Steve comes exactly. up in high notes with the bass as he does. And yeah. They orchestrate it very nicely. And uh, well, what would you say about the, the sound on, on, on the first album? Um. <laughs> It's it's okay, I would say. Uh, I know obviously that they were not very satisfied with the producer, but but uh, I mean it's it's early Maiden in that sense. And and to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't want the first album to sound any way other than what it really no. sounds like. Because to me, you know, Phantom of the Opera should sound the way Phantom of the Opera sounds, as should you know Transylvania, Strange World, and and all of the other songs. So yeah, I'm I'm very you know. I'm very satisfied with the I really sound. Agree. I love the I love the sound on the first album. I, I love that mm-hmm. they switched <laughs> for Killers to Martin Burke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then that gets a whole different kind of uh, glow to it. 
you could say like yeah. I, I, I yeah because it would have been a risk that it would have sounded maybe a little bit alike on killers if they would have used exactly the same recipe yeah for the and second album it's cool to hear maiden without production because as you mm. as you as you've mm. addressed and many others that uh, malone wasn't really involved in, in in producing, right? He was kind of anti-producing, I guess, <laughs> or just <laughs> yeah, exactly. recording. Like, exactly. when can I get home? I wanna I wanna go home for for a TV dinner. And yeah, right. But then also you hear Maiden unproduced, and it's the first first album, and with all those great songs, some of my favorite Maiden songs on there, like Phantom of the Opera, I think is one of the best songs uh, ever, actually, by by any band. Mm. Mm. It's it's so good. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, that's a riff fest. In yeah, a way. that's a riff, and that you have some like pop, proper riffs in that one too, like uh, very fast stuff. Yeah, and then they yes. modulate it up so you get this tension. Interesting, right? Mm. Yeah, and when it very goes down to the slower part as well. Yeah, very cool. very strong riffs there. And some other thing with Maiden, they can switch tempos on a dime. Yeah, yes, you don't even need. Yeah, and it just works. Yeah. Well rehearsed, I think. It's a it's a band that plays live. Mm. Yes. And especially these songs, obviously. I mean, they were written many, many years ago, prior to, to going into the studio, actually. So in that sense, I think it's uh, these really are, you know, the most practiced songs Maiden has ever recorded, yeah. ever. Yeah. All right. I'm going to soldier on with uh, a riff. And as we do in this show, uh, you can guess which riff it is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it is a deep cut, so I'm not sure if you will catch it. And I'm not going to shame you if you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to learn this because, uh, yeah, I will tell that later. The thing is that riff is played only with other things on top of it. Kind of hard. Mm-hmm. What could it be? Uh, can we have a guess? Uh, is it from millennium and onwards? No, before. Uh, 90s. Before? 90s, yeah, exactly. And with Blaze. Yeah, now I was stuck in the wrong tempo too, so I might have projected that in the wrong tempo. But it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Sultan's Swing by, by Dire Straits. You know, you have that. It's almost like, like a backing, like a comp. It's, it's hard. Yeah. I'm bringing out the hardest one first. But we're talking 19s and we're talking Blaze. Uh, no, 90s Bruce. 90s mm-hmm. rules. So it so must like, be from No Prayer. It, is it a No Prayer it's song? Though? It's from Fear of the Dark. It's from Fear of the Dark, yeah. But it's hard. I can't, I can't pinpoint which song it is. It's uh, Judas My Guide. Judas uh, My Guide. But it should be, probably be another tempo. I was stuck in the wrong tempo there. But uh, it, has, it comes in with a solo straight upright. And then that riff serves as the chorus. But uh, mm-hmm. the reason I brought it in is because I had to find a Dave riff. I realized I don't know any Dave riffs. So <laughs> before we started recording, I had to learn one, and I love that song. Mm-hmm. So, and now I, I guess I, you know, since I learned it 15 minutes ago, maybe I couldn't project it correctly, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. That happens all the time in this show anyway. So, but it's interesting yeah. that it's kind of, it's very different, right? Uh, yeah. What we it's about. got these mi- minor seventh chord thingies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's got this, like, I don't know, there's a bit of a Thin Lizzy vibe in it or something. Yeah, big chords, a lot of strings, yeah. which Harris rarely does. I mean, he's on a force yeah. to begin with when yes. he's riffing, so it's very rooted. And this is very colorful, and um, I'm really into that song. 
uh, what do you think mm-hmm. about uh, you as my guide? It's a good song in that sense. I mean, I think a lot of the songs on Fear the Dark sound quite similar. I mean, they sound, they have elements of of kind of uh, some kind of, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? But it's a little bit of like a desperation in a way, kind of, uh, not, not negatively speaking, but it's like everything is about being chased or everything is being, mm. you know, a little bit worse off than you but were before. Different variations of fear. That's how I kind of... Yeah, it, it's quite a dark album, actually, when you, you know, think about it. You know, it, take fear of the dark away, which is obviously like a national anthem in in, in every playlist that they do, but... But I mean, Chains of Misery, Fugitive is also like about, you know, being on the wrong side of the law. And Afraid to Shoot Strangers is quite a dark song as well. Yeah, that was mm. the song that got me into Maiden, actually. Kind of. Or actually into yeah. even playing guitar. When I heard that mm. melody, it was, uh, this is something I have to do. <laughs> you know, it's it's a classic yeah. melody, yeah. Yeah, it sticks out a little bit. That's the Harris song, but... Yeah, well, mm. I, I had to pick a Dave song because he doesn't write much. And then I tried a few of them and I realized, ah, shit, I'm not going to be able to, to play this. <laughs> and now I tried Rainmaker, for example. It's a nice mm. little... I tried yeah. Still Life too. But um, ended up with this one. So yeah, it's kind of just to give a, a good nod to, to Dave Murray, like the, the, the main, <laughs> the original guitarist, I guess, of the band. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And let's never forget that he wrote... Nomad. That's true. Nomad yes. is amazing. Maybe I should have picked that one actually. That's that would have been more fitting for my, for my playing style. But uh, that's um, since Brave New World came out when I was uh, at the most receptive, right? So mm-hmm. I, I I listened to your episode on Nomad and it got very emotional. Which yeah, I, it is. Which it is. I I could really tap into as well. It has this mm-hmm. very 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 yeah because I kind of it's not only epic. It's another thing too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's, 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 um, yeah, I'm struggling to find the word for it, but um, yeah, I really dig that. It's really majestic, though. It's really a large and an epic. Yeah. A very cool song. So I'm going to send the ball back to you, Axel, for another Okay, riff. another riff. Um, I would go with just, I can't like choose a particular riff in it, but I'm going to go with Hallowed Be Thy Name in general, mm. because it's such a riff fest, that song. It's a bit of that old school sort of two first albums made and in a way of thinking about how you write for guitar. It's not really there with just like the the melodies and the bare bones sort of chord figures and stuff. It's, it's more of a riff... Um, it's a riffy song. Uh, it's got a lot of content in it, like guitar work, but yeah. I think just everything in it is memorable. And they really like arranged the guitar parts really well in that song. Yeah, um, so, yeah. Composition goes. I, I usually say that this is the ultimate utilization of uh, the E minor. <laughs> you cannot mm. be better than that. Uh, it has a little bit of uh, outside of E minor in the intro, but. The rest of yeah. the song is pretty much straight up E minor in key. Mm. And it's still yeah. so new and has not really been copied. And then mm. James Hetfield has tried a few times to, to get that, that vibe into his riffs. The thing mm. was riff lead. Uh, when, you know, it's lead, but it's a riff. 
like uh, that. Ah, yeah, exactly. Kind of a riff, right? But it's also a yeah, melody. and that's like that's a thing that made and they write riffs in that way. No other band does it. Like yeah, no, no you can't very really unique. Like, sound like them. I, I've, I have a heavy metal project now, but I'm trying to not try and sound like Maiden. <laughs> you can't really. I'm trying to pick from worse heavy metal bands and make it better. Yeah, instead of copying what's already perfect. Yeah, and I mean also, but the, actually, the riffs are during the the verse in Hallowed Be Thy Name. They are so heavy. If yeah. you look at the guitar sounds, and then yeah. and obviously with Bruce's voice on, I mean, it's just so much emotion and so much weight in all of that. Mm. So uh, yeah, that is one of those Maiden songs that I've uh, like out of context cried to, <laughs> waiting for yeah. a ah. subway listening to it uh, can't resist <laughs> a little bit no it's gonna happen wow. it's, it's also another uh, speaking of nomad before it's another one of those that is very emotional very yeah. very emotional yeah. That in it and it, yeah. It, yeah i mean how could you not love that song it's one of again one of the best songs ever by any band mm. yeah many yeah, people the, agree with definitely. us on that one yeah, i'm yeah. gonna try to keep tempo here so you can get back to your lives too so uh, i'm um, <laughs> i'm sending it to you will now for another if Cool. Let's uh, move on here with uh, peace of mind. Die with your boots on. Mm. Again, very sort of um, simple in a way, but uh, very straightforward. And I, I, I tend to like a little bit of straightforwardness in the Maiden catalog as it doesn't really occur so often. Sometimes mm. you need to have that little break with a song like Die With Your Boots On. Yeah, like a rocker, a straight rocker. Yeah, a straight on rocker. And I, 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 you know, they do it so well. Obviously, they are more talented than, you know, Die With Your Boots On type of songs. But, but it's nice to see when they actually do kind of a more simple song in a way mm. as well. Sure. Yeah. Sort of break up the, the complicated songs. That yeah, I do. love, like, in the chorus of Die With Your Boots On, the, the guitar riff. It's so it's got this hair metal quality to it, or something. Mm-hmm. It, it could be like, yeah, definitely. I don't know, a, a rat riff or something like, or Dokken or something. I don't know. Oh, sure, which are good yeah. riffs. It's not my main genre, but I'm getting into it through the riffs because they actually have mm-hmm. riffs in the, in the hair metal. And I think I with your boots, and I was one that I also wanted to learn last minute because I love it so much. But I thought maybe I'm not going to do it justice, so let's hope that Axel or Joel will bring it in because I still want to talk about it. Because it's a very cool riff, and it has like this pinch harmonic in it too, which is mm. it's time I would say it starts the very first note. You do a pinch harmonic on the guitar, so you get this high uh, harmonic on top of it, like which is you know, utilized by Dimebag Daryl in Pantera a lot, for example. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's becoming or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds so cool and it has slight robotic vibe to it, you know, for, for me, that riff. And the perfect tempo. Yeah. Also a co-joint effort, I think, like a Smith Harris Dickinson. I think it's, it's a team. team yeah, work. it is. It is. And those tend to be really good when all those talents can, you know, mm. come up with something together. Yeah, that's like a golden trio in a way. Yeah. Uh, what you, what, yeah, definitely. What would you say about the, the the vibe or feeling you get when you just hear that riff? No lyrics have come in yet. It's just that riff opening. What's the, what's your immediate reaction? It's pure energy. It's just raw energy out of Maiden. Mm-hmm. Sort of again showing that 
we are a heavy metal band and we can play fast and we yeah. can play hard. That's kind of, you know, no. a statement. Sure. Yeah. And also to, to paraphrase Axel, that's a song I use for running. Mm. Ah, really? <laughs> because, you know, even the message. Die with your boots <laughs> on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stay going. And I think in these times, the lyrics are, are, are fitting and also maybe important to listen to. Yeah. Well, yeah, speaking my, my, about running, do you ever yeah. run to the loneliness of the long distance runner? <laughs> <laughs> the answer first, Axel. <laughs> I haven't done it yet because it's honestly, it's not a track I, I really, really love from the Maiden catalog. But yeah, I don't know. I sh- really should try it, though. I should try it. I promise to try it. I have, yeah. I have. On a treadmill, I have run to that. I think the whole <laughs> album is very, at least one of my favorites. I haven't listened to your episode because you hinted that you were a bit critical. And I thought, ah, oh, maybe I don't want to hear it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, really yeah it that's true. Time. But the, the lyrics in Alexander the Great are maybe the silliest. <laughs> and it's a lot of text. It's so <laughs> it's much text. Of, yeah. <laughs> it's like reading it's an encyclopedia. In yeah, exactly. So why do you have to add that at the end? He died of fever in Babylon. You shouldn't add that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what did he die of? He <laughs> <laughs> makes the song silly because it's such a good song. music. I think some of the best drums in that song. You're drummers, right? Yeah, we are. Almost, almost cool tricks. But I mean, speaking about that, I mean, we met uh, when we were in in LA. At the Bank of California Stadium, we we met two guys that we interviewed for our, for our podcast as well, and one of them was a major in history, and Alexander the Great was the reason to why he actually chose to study hmm. history. Yes, yeah, he was young when he heard it, young enough. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'll see later. And he was like he was young, like he was twenty five or something when we uh, like. So uh, he was a young young man, and he actually knew that Finland and Sweden used to be the same country. Like mm. that, Finland used to belong to Sweden. He 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 knew that, and yeah. that like to hear an Ameri- a white American man in his twenties mm. like know that, then you, you know that he actually enjoys history because yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. that's pretty deep. Like, but if, if you do enjoy history, Finland is a great is a great topic. It's very it is, yeah. because you you've had these oncoming attacks from from west and from east, and he knew what Alexander died of as well. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fever in Babylon. Yeah, that, that could be a good uh, yeah. Iron Maiden cover band. Fever yeah. in Babylon. Yeah. It's not over like that. <laughs> and also, the album is very long for a single vinyl. It's fifty-two yeah. minutes. Really hard to squeeze. Yeah. In. Maybe it was like, oh shit, the, the album time is running out. He died of Fever in Babylon. <laughs> 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 Perfect. It's a flawless victory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, what was what riff was we on? We were on um, uh, die with your boots on. Die with your boots on. Yeah, good song, good lyrics. Uh, I mean, in these days, read the lyrics and and kind of vibe with them. I think because mm. it's about as we say in Swedish, "krasamaya profetior," which mm. is all these people saying it's going to shit, it's worse than ever, and so forth. You know. Yeah. And yeah sure, exactly. there are troubles, but still, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to. I think, and I think the message is is a positive one. That's how I read it, anyway. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Hopefully we'll have some kind of vaccine that should at least, you know, take away a lot of the worries. Yes. All right. Another riff, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, time to uh, try a guitarist that we haven't talked about too much with uh, a strange riff, but I think this one will be easy for you to, to guess. Easier than mm-hmm. the last. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. And that would, of course, be a dream of mirrors from Brave New World. That's correct. And it's, yes. a, it's a little kind of anchored riff. It has this pedal note of, of A that just pumps under it. So there's no chord change in it. And if mm. I'm not mistaken, it's the verse riff. So Bruce sings a lot of melody yes. on top of this, which is difficult to do. <laughs> if I had that task, like write a melody on top of this riff, that it basically is a melody. Yeah. And still he does it so well. And it kind yes. of also it, it projects uh, Janik a little bit, right? He's, he's the writer of this riff. And his, his, how his style differs from the others. That is, it's yeah. Type it's got this classic, yeah, it could be like a Ride the Lightning era Metallica riff or something as well. Like within a, a different context. Um, yeah. It's quite a riffy riff, even though it's really simple as well. Yeah. One chord, it's A minor all the way through with the yeah. yeah. uh, descending melody on top of it. But then Bruce manages to find a melody on top. Could be mm -hmm. Harris also that found that either way. And again, with the oriental touch that sort of, you know, also is, is involved quite a lot in the Brave New World album. I like yep. that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a very cool song, Dream of Mirrors. And I, I did see it live. I'm happy about that because that's probably not going to happen. Mm, no, no, that's a damn pity. That's a damn yeah. pity. They could have, you know, they should have played that a lot more. Yeah, but it's yes. a long song, so I mean, I could throw in maybe Purgatory or something before that. Mm. It's mm. true. Less of the, of the space, but it's harder to get them to play those songs. I mean, you, you talked about Killers before, and uh, mm. I think Bruce probably doesn't like to do Killers. I think, and he, if, in my opinion, he sounds worse than than Paul on that song. He mm -hmm. can't really project that crazy craziness of, of, of the yeah. local delivery but i would love to see that and i missed that tour that was right before ah, okay no it was great in 1990 it yeah. was a great tour and what else about janik a lot of people think uh, not a lot of people but maybe some uninformed people think that maybe he shouldn't be in the band uh, maybe why do they have three uh, just to be nice but i mean I, I beg to differ in that in that regard because i think he writes great riffs and he has a very good tone when he plays slow melodies yes like, yeah that's true um, like the clansman stuff and and that blood sort brothers. of yes blood brothers that's just wonderful yeah blood brothers on live chapter it's beautiful guitar playing and it's not hard yeah. but you have to have the touch right to get the yes the intonation right and to get the yeah and he's he's wild and he's like he's it's fun to look at him on stage as well because he brings energy to the show with his running around and he's like throwing his guitar up and stuff. It's just, it's nice. It's showmanship. Yeah. Something, something I've, I've really noted as well during our podcast is the fact that he brings a certain type of heaviness into Maiden yes. that they never had before. I mean, really starting with Montsegur on the Dance of Death song, I mean, yes. or album. I mean, that's that's so heavy. That's that's even more heavier than than you know a real, real, real heavy band that really focuses on only being heavy. And yeah. also on on the Book of Souls, for instance, the element. Um, during the verse and also when it sort of goes, goes into the melodic part in, in the Book of Souls song. That, yeah. That's something that Maiden never could have invented without Janik. And it's so, especially, I mean, they are getting older and people are maybe not questioning how, how legit they still are, but it sort of shows that we are still here, we are still producing heavy fucking metal. We are not going into some kind of, you know, fucking uh, Mark Knopfler type of music and just, mm. you know, be comfortable on stage, we're still, you know, finding that really rawness and that heaviness that we mm. actually had back in the days. Or, when we I were must young. bring out another example for that, just because you brought it up, this one. 
Also, of course, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't get yeah, louder than that, maybe, I would say. And with, with Bruce's scream on top of that as well. Yes. I mean, it's, that's bad, badass stuff. It's really, it's really metal. It's what it is. It's super yeah. metal. Yeah, yeah, super metal. And in the key of G minor, which is sticks out, sticks out a little bit too, which is the typical like... Yeah, it's Blackmore. a strange... Exactly, yeah. Or yeah. like Bon Jovi or something. Yeah, and I think Yannick makes no secret that he's a huge admirer of, of Richard Blackmore. They all are, but especially him. Yeah. In his old band. I think he received, didn't he receive his first guitar by Richard Blackmore or something? Really? Yannick. First guitar? No, who gave it to him? How could that happen? Uh, you get your first guitar from, from Richard Blackmore? No, no, no. Uh, no, it's the white, like the white Stratocaster he uh-huh. most, uh, or the black Stratocaster that he plays. Uh yeah on a regular basis that was a gift by but who was it was it richie blackmore I, i'm like 70 percent sure that it's mm. richie blackmore very cool, yeah. very cool. i didn't know that richie was a maiden fan i heard it in your podcast i think which is didn't janik play with who did janik play with before he joined maiden they were white spirit and they had a very very uh, blackmore type sound yeah mm-hmm. and it, it could be that they warmed up the stage or something for oh, yeah and also Ian Gillen, of course Yeah. Ian Gillen. Yeah, that's true. It was yeah. Ian Gillen. That's right. It was Ian Gillen that gave the guitar to him. Then it makes that's sense. That's true. Yes, yeah. that makes it's, sense. It's yeah. so worn out, which I love to see. Mm. You know, true yeah. relic. It's yeah. not bought relic. It's, uh, it's just played it so much. So he has this um, uh, lower right arm uh, exactly. Kind of mark. Exactly. And again, I mean, sort of showing a little bit like uh, almost like a rage against the machine type of sounds that Janik can do with the guitar. Mm. So he's more experimental than in comparison to, for instance, Adrian, who's, you know, more like a connoisseur with the guitar and sort of really handles it with care. Yeah. And Janik is quite the opposite. And, and it really brings out some interesting sounds, I would say, to make sure, it yes. well. And it's also quite like Tom Morello in, in Regica's Machine. Everyone thinks he uses this huge pedal board. But yeah. yeah. No, he doesn't really. It's like four four pedals. It's less than I have and less than yeah, most. It's more, it's more about how you play, the technique you yeah. use. Yeah, you find yeah. ways to make the guitar sound different. And he does that. A good example is Fear of the Dark Live when he does this mm. harmonic that he bends somehow. Maybe he bends it up above the. Yeah. And it's. Yeah. It's like you can't, if he if wasn't there live, you would be bummed out. It's now mm. part of the song. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Really? Yeah, he's a noisemaker in a in a, like a, his own way. In his own way, out. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, we should do uh, one more round of riffs at least, I think, because uh, this is mm? the, yeah. the riffs to do. So we will pick something good, Axel. Now. Yeah. Okay. I think I think I'm gonna go with Moonchild. Uh, like, yeah, there's like a main riff, but I'm there's so that's. A quite a riffy song as well but still in a maiden way with like melodies the way uh like the the guitar melodies answers the sort of vocal melodies in the refrain in the chorus and it's it's very unison and very like arranged everyone knows their parts when they play it it's not like sort of free formed uh it, it's ve- like in that sense it's very riffy because it's carefully sort of arranged what the guitars are supposed to play, the guitar parts. Um, so I think that's that's another example of a song that's just, they've written it very well for guitars and, and what the guitars do. 
Yeah, that, that one I like to play too. It's uh, especially this riff. Kind of yeah, like, kind and of like. I mean, listening to it without the rest of the band, it re—that's uh, evil as hell. I mean, it is evil, Norwegian yeah. black type of what they were seeking for, you know? Yeah, yeah those broken chords, and and it's really metal, just yeah. very, very dark and and menacing. I mean, it should be compulsory to smell like gasoline when you actually play that riff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Stretching, stretching of the fifth. So you have the standard, same as in Prowler, that one. But then mm-hmm. you have the stretch of, of the fifth, so you get... Ah, uh, yeah, that broken sort of sixth. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. It's Very nice. Good. The sorrow, sorrowful sixth, they call it when I started film music. <laughs> you know, ah, mm. kind of deep sorrow in it or something like that. And then the whole song with Bruce on top, one of his best mm-hmm. vocals. One of yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce vocals. He sounds like, a, yeah, like, like Satan. Yeah, yeah he, he, he does. He does. And yeah, it's so cool, isn't it? And when I first heard it, I, I was, uh, I was kind of in a death metal period then. I wanted mm-hmm. more extreme metal, and I felt felt maybe a little bit like this is the only time when I wavered around admitting that Maiden is the best band ever, because mm-hmm. I, they were maybe not hard enough. And then I, I hear that song. Uh, it comes with the synth first. Okay, mm-hmm. that's not what I want to hear. Now I love it. <laughs> to be clear, <laughs> but yeah. and then that comes with that riff and, and and those vocals and how he kind of projects Satan in it. Uh, yeah, of course I wanted to hear that. <laughs> like of you course, said, yeah, of course. Possibly the most badass Maiden song. Yeah, ever. I I, th- I think so. I think so as well. Could be. Yeah. Way to open Seven Sun, uh, which is like it's for me that album has the best sequencing of any Maiden album. I don't know if you would agree mm. with that. I think it's kind of That could be, yeah. Like we've talked about our favorite records like somewhat like we've gone through our top three albums in a way. And yeah, I always get bugged at something. Like I would have traded places of those two songs, but yeah. that's true. Maybe Seventh Son. I didn't, I, I don't think I said anything about that in our episode about Seventh Son either. I was just satisfied. Yeah, that's true. I tightly knit. It's 44 minutes and still mm-hmm. epic time for long songs like Infinite Dreams and, and the title track. Yeah. But yeah. it's so condensed somehow. And I feel like the evil that men do is kind of like, it's the most maiden you can get in the least mm. amount of time. In four minutes, yeah. and it's just everything they do. And it's just perfectly like very streamlined in the composition, mm. but in the best kind of way. So that album is, is just such a joy to listen to. I'm, I kind yeah. of agree with your guest there. <laughs> that was in Alex. But it's, mm. yeah so good this is and i mean yeah. the way also martin produced the full album it's it's just very i mean again it was a very fruitful relationship obviously that they had with maiden but at that time as well i would say that martin was you know he was really exploring maiden into to new exciting territories kind of with mm-hmm. uh, you know the synthesizers from seventh son in fresh in his memory but now sort of taking a step going a little, little bit more towards traditional heavy metal 
but mm. at least with the new elements uh, fresh in mind kind of I'm, it's a very exciting album yeah it yeah. really is because then obviously they took the turn to to no prayer and, and fear the dark which was very much basic heavy metal again in in terms of sound yeah probably my least favorite uh, albums as albums is no prayer mm. and fear of the dark but uh, they have so, uh, especially fear of the dark have very high tops so it's still it's still yeah. It's a great album. No Prayer maybe is, is my least favorite because I actually do like The X Factor, <laughs> unlike you. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> but oh, oh. I hear the problems with it too. I hear the problems. But let's not talk about X Factor. No, no, we, had, we don't have time for that. <laughs> That's a too long discussion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there would be a four-hour-long four debate. Maybe someday. On, uh, on the X Factor. One more riff from you. One last riff, and I'm, I'm actually have to play it extremely safe here because this is the last time I get to mention a riff and, and I feel I mean it's it's cool we can always drop like B-sides and we can drop mm. this kind of uh, adventurous rare you know rare kind of uh, songs that nobody really knows except if you're a big fan but I'm gonna go and I'm gonna say wasted years mm. good choice because again, the weight it has for Made and, and, and again, the kind of Adrian's commercial side that we talked about earlier, this is like how this is projected exactly what he was writing at that time. And I mean, what he really could do and also what the music direction he wanted to go in with Maiden. It's, it's a very anti-Maiden type of song, but mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just great. I mean, it's the riff, the, the intro riff from him and yeah. the way he works with Dave and with everyone in the band. I, I just think it's a superb song. Everyone. Yeah, and it. like speaking speaking of riffs as well, like and also the riff in the verse in that song is really good. Like it's this pumping, just palm muted, like heavy sort of guitar riff. And it's that's also a really nice riff. Um, it is. It, yeah. is. it backs up the vocals, which is something you find in Maiden all the time. That this yeah. riff is not something that you you're trying to come up with the most interesting riff ever, uh, because no, kind of backing up the vocals, but with rhythm. So it's definitely riff going on there. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. In this show, we try to stretch what a riff is. We talk about drum riffs. Even. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're saying like. But Maiden, Maiden has drum riffs. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, Where eagles dare. Where eagles dare. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely riff. I mean, we try to differentiate that it's not a fill, it's not a beat, it's actually a riff on the drums. Yeah, mm. and there yeah because it's the, it's the, like the signature sound of that song, in a way. It's the, the one thing people remember, like instrumental-wise, from that song, is the drum intro. Yeah, no, like everyone knows the drum intro, but then you might, like, ah, how does the rest go? You don't really know, but yeah. We have in Sweden uh, Bröderna Hårdrock, the, the hard, rock, hard Rock Brothers. They have a band called Yes. And there was this TV feature with them. And uh, I've addressed it in another show, but they, they put on Peace of Mind on vinyl and they, so they're talking about, like, yeah, when I listen to music, I listen to music. I'm not going to do anything else while mm-hmm. doing this. So he sits there and just headbangs with the little hair he has left. <laughs> drums on his knees and it's just it's beautiful to me to see that it's a like, yeah. complete feel good and you enter with it I mean how could you not love that it signifies the whole album in a way yes and the new drummer is in there as you've addressed many times before yeah he's yeah. welcome welcomed with open arms but wasted years I mean this was obviously Adrian was was 
writing basically, if I understand it correctly, about what he felt at that time and obviously the results after World Slavery Tour. So it's a very honest song yeah. as mm. well, yeah. I would say. It's not just yeah. about dying with fever in Babylon. Kind of. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you can't find it on the content on Wikipedia. It's too personal. And I've exactly. had friends that are into hard rock and metal, but they don't like Iron Maiden, which, I mean, it disturbs me, but it's fine, I guess. Yes. But still, if I put that song out, or, or The Trooper, they can get into it. So it must hit you on some visceral level. And yes. my reading of it is that it's a letter from Adrian to Adrian, but written mm. 20 years later. So ah, yeah. imagine yeah. maybe around 2005, around Dance of Death, writing back to Adrian in 86. Yeah, ah, telling him, like, you know. Don't, <laughs> waste her, don't, don't waste her time always. Yeah, you're living in the golden years. years. Exactly. In the golden years. He's stepping outside of himself uh, to communicate with himself yeah. where he's at. So it's one of the better Maiden lyrics without being flashed. Yeah, yes. and then 15 years later, he's writing yet again back to himself in 2005, but about fishing, how he, you know, <laughs> does the best yeah. fishing, how he became the compulsive angler. Yeah. I'm actually, yes. I ordered the book, his All biography right. now, but it's supposedly more about fishing and less about Maiden. So I'm, and I'm not a fishing, fishing man at all. So it's, you might be after this. Really I might be after this, or then I might, you know, just skip a few pages here and there. But uh, yeah. it's, it's very interesting to write a rock and roll and fishing book. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's so British. It's so British. Yeah. It's his personality too. Quiet, yeah. technical. You know, you need to be a bit technical, I guess. I tried it a few times, but I can't do it with the mosquitoes up here. Yeah, <laughs> it's impossible. It destroys the whole. No, because that's yes. when I supposedly get the most fish in, in in the lakes around here. So yeah, good that you brought that up. I didn't even think about that. And I guess what you mean by riff is the the single string, yeah, opening riff. And how could you not love exactly? That? Everyone loves follows that. follows the whole song, and yeah. it's just yeah. I mean, it's and it's an instant crowd pleaser. Yeah, everybody. Can we hear along it? And, uh, can, can we hear, hear the riff? Hard to play it. It's really hard. Even when Adrian plays it live, he starts out slower, just in order yeah. to build, because it's a bit quick and you play on a thin string, so you get no bounce back. Like for, yeah, that's imagine true. Imagine as a drummer that you don't get the, the bass drum doesn't recoil. That's yeah, exactly. Something like... But a bit faster. But he kind of yeah. starts out in that tempo. And then with Nico, which is great, I love that they don't play with a click track. So they can, you know, yeah. soft into it and then reach the actual song tempo or maybe a little bit higher. If Nico yeah. gets you know. <laughs> excited, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which he does from time to time. He does, yes. <laughs> what a great encore it was on, on, on the Book of Souls tour. It fit so well there at the end with the mm. with brothers. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Very united. Very Uniting the whole the whole Maiden family, I guess. It did, yes. yeah. Very emotional, very emotional end, and then obviously, you know, with uh, with uh, always look at the bright side. Then it was just pure joy. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a that's yeah. compulsory, and also UFO in the beginning, Doctor Doctor is very important. Yeah, and also a great song, uh, another one of my favorite guitars behind that. But we're gonna stick on topic. We're running out of time too, so uh, <laughs> uh, wasted years. Good choice. Just gonna have mm. to emphasize that once again. It's a very important song, and I, it's one of the better songs to show someone that is into rock music, maybe. But mm. definitely, it. it touches you, I guess. And we've been on this three times now, at least. That Maiden apparently is quite an emotional band as well. 
definitely. So, I mean, for those who understand, I mean, for, for yeah. my wife, yeah. instance, made and it's just noise. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, you have to qualify. <laughs> have to qualify. <laughs> exactly. You need to yeah. know how Alexander the Great died. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, know, I know what we're going to talk about now after, the, after we're finished here. <laughs> yeah. And I have a quiz for her. <laughs> this, is, this is good anyway, because I've brought up too many riffs here, but you picked a few of them. So I'm mm. kind of like satisfied with the content, but I want to address Bruce again as a, as a riff writer. We only mentioned Flash mm. Blade. So I have two songs, and I'm going to have to do both because they, they kind of, he hasn't written that many songs standalone. Like mm. Adrian did the Stranger in a Strange Land and Wasted Years alone. I think that's mm. all he did completely alone because Bruce was burnt out. And Bruce did five songs uh, alone, as far as I know. Mm. And, uh, we have addressed Flash of the Blade, and then on the last album we have um, If Eternity Should Fail, which is a great song too, uh, written yes. only him. But there are two more, uh, or three more. And Bring Your Daughter is there too, but I don't know anything mm. about that. But you have this riff, which, yeah, if you listen to it, maybe you can realize how it differs from, from the, how the guitars would write. Outside. Oh, yeah. yes. Another Revelations. Mm. First, and then back in the day, he played guitar himself. Yeah, yeah I, I, should, I should play that part too. I think he was not plugged in. Admittedly, no, I, I don't think so either. No, <laughs> but now they play with three guitars. You need three guitars for that part because they put a harmony on top of it. It's this super traditional, uh, like you know, it could be Eagle Eye Sherry, Stay Tonight, yeah, exactly, yeah, Save Tonight, or whatever it's called. This is the super standard minor chords, like. Because that's the melody that they use all the time in the behind the Iron Curtain documentary. Yeah, only the guitars taken out okay, the it clean yeah, that, melody. Cool. It yeah. gets like looped for one hour, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Super <laughs> soft and easy to listen to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he was not aware himself. I think he thought he was plugged in because if you look at him, he really concentrates. <laughs> he looks down and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I always thought he played it and I always loved that he played it I thought it was cool mm. strange also Dean yeah. Cadillac guitar looks like yeah re- very weird unless Paul with a boner kind of yeah <laughs> <laughs> but he managed to you know uh, hit up his head with that so he bled like a yeah like a pig great for promoting. yeah that's true maybe that's why yeah. they're so big in South America yeah no, that was the start that was the start of it yeah. All right, one more Bruce riff too. So while we still have time, because this I can't skip this riff. It has to be played. That's very, very metal. That's very, very metal. I'm surprised you didn't bring your piano and played the Empire of the Clouds intro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that would be another X-Factor situation because I'm not a fan of that song, actually. No, nah, <laughs> I don't like it. 
And for the record, it, but it isn't as long as they tell you it is. As they advertise it. No, it's less exactly. than 18 minutes. Oh, uh, really? really? Yeah. No, that's the 17, song, yeah. 50 something, yeah. yeah. One of my maiden friends is a no-go topic because he likes it and he knows that I don't like it. And as soon as I mentioned that, he was like, we're no, never going to talk about that song again. <laughs> <laughs> topic is closed, just like with Lauren Harris in your podcast. Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. exactly. Shut. You know, it's not going to be any good vibes coming from here. But no, yeah, because no. I mean, Steve is great at a lot of things, and, and, but you know, you have to close the door. Yeah, the nepotism might not be his best part. No, but maybe no, I would no, no. Aim. If I had that platform and if I had kids that were interested, I would, but yeah, we're Absolutely. not going to get stuck on that. Power, power slave. slave. Should be addressed. Yeah. They should be addressed, kind of to finish them all. One riff to rule them all, kind of. Which is <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? It's written by Bruce. And what a cool riff. And we talked about, uh, I think it was before we started recording, but with the, the Doom riffs. No, it, we, it was recorded with the Yeah, riff. exactly. The pre chorus, listen to it. Like. Yeah, that, that could be like a sludge riff, like with half time drums and stuff that could be really heavy. Yeah. And, also and I actually think uh, I, I heard a cover of. We did a cover episode, didn't we, UL? Uh, yeah, we did. Where we had a Power Slave cover. Was it the Mast? Was it Mastodon or something? Or nah, I'm remembering something wrong. But anyways, Mastodon should do a cover of Power Slave. I'm Testament. just throwing out the idea there. Yeah, Testament. I think did a cover. Remember that Testament. One? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was working well with it. They did. Yeah, that's the one we did actually. Yeah. Yes, version of Testament Power Slave. Yeah. In the chorus, they do the typical maiden move where they switch from uh, E5, C5, D5. Like. But then they throw in that really cool... Which, it sounds like a Steve Harris bass line, but yeah. also kind of guitarized and uh, interpreted by Bruce, maybe. Like, uh, so good. Such a heavy riff. Very oh, yes. heavy. And the, the feeling of that song is, is like, it's a very simple feeling, I would say. It's very simple. It's just majestic and uh, concerns death again. Yeah. yeah. Again, death. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what would you say about Power Slave and also Revelations for that matter? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, and, and as you wrote earlier in when we had the discussion, tell me why I have to be a weaker man. Yeah. <laughs> like, sang in China. Yeah, because the the authorities didn't allow them to say power slave. That would maybe you know wake up some thoughts for the yeah. for the people listening. Yeah, maybe it would be a revolution like in Belarus or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Made it started something. They run a tight ship over in China, and we are on yeah. Zoom yeah, now. They do. So we have to be careful. It's Zoom is a Chinese product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My file is going to be lost. And also, if you go back to uh, to uh, waste years, I think Power Slave is also a song about touring, even though they hadn't done the big the big ass tour, but they were still mm. a peace tour. And, and Bruce mentioned that it's like he said that yeah, it's a really stupid song, simple song. It's just about being a slave to the power of the tour. Yeah. Mm. You know, you have to go on, yeah. go on, and they really hit it hard those days. I mean, they didn't have yeah, they did to have two days in between each gig, which is probably great for for their age now, right? Yes, yeah. definitely. No, but I mean, it's again, it's a, it's a classic, and it has become, I would say, a classic ever since the somewhere back in time tour that they did in in two thousand and eight. And I mean, they they played it during the Book of Souls gig as well. 
So, so I really like the fact that they they kind of find value in this song and really want to share that on on other tours as well. And the same goes actually with uh, Revelations. Also, I mean that's a, mm. it's really a fan favorite. Everyone is waiting for the da da da. Hi, hi. Yeah, with the double arms to do that. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly. from the very bottom of the stage up. Whoa. And yeah. he has great crowd interaction. He's maybe the king of of uh, interacting with very big yes, crowd. he is. He's so good at it, and he brags about it with with right. Like he has the bragging rights for that because he, yeah, yeah, definitely. When you see them the first time, you're 13 or something like that, or teen teens probably. When you see them the first time, you feel like this comfort of being included. Yeah, mm. definitely. He's yes, you kind of when he's on stage, and I think he maybe wrote this song to be a live song because it really is. And with Book of Souls, it fits thematically as well. Mm. Yes, it does yeah. very well. Yeah. Ancient, ancientness of it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And different, just different slave cultures or something. You know, uh, yeah. it's like the Egyptian pyramids and then the Inca stuff more. And, and they also had pyramids and slaves and yeah, all exactly. that. Yeah, rumored to be built by aliens as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's, a, it's. A, I think it was a good riff to to kind of close this discussion. And it's been been a great time to have you here. Uh, first, thanks for having us yeah, yeah. first very nice being on the show oh yeah and i mean I, we haven't recorded the maiden special show yet this is like a bonus for that but mm. uh, yeah i mean why wait no time exactly and now i also have a little bit more material to to bring in there and uh, yeah i look forward to um to talk with you again maybe in our in our native language next time Yes. Oh yes. oh, yes. Yeah. And we're looking very much forward to listening to the Maiden, Maiden specials uh, show as well. So, yeah, it will be interesting because Ule, Ule likes them. He has to because I love him so much. But it's not yeah. like really his, his, his band or anything like that. We did a Metallica special because we both know them so well. So that was yeah. like a complete back and forth, kind of like this. You know, you always have something yeah. more to say. But with Maiden, I might have to be a little bit like um, presenting the band to him, trying to, you know. Mm. Getting to become an even more, even more of a fan. You know, yeah, definitely. Through the riffs, through the riffs, through the riffs, yeah. the power of the riffs. Yeah. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna stop the recording now. So you want to say something in last words for our listeners before I do? Um, I think the most riffy like album title I ever heard about is a doom album that came out. I think it's two years ago. It's called Coven of the Ultra Riff. Uh, and it's it's like a doom record, some sort of split vinyl between two bands, but it's just fantastic. Great, that's a good recommendation then for reference. Yeah. And for and for me, just to summarize, I'm I'm in, into a lot of the heavier, especially like uh, melodic death right now. And um, I mean, again, where does the sort of border border run between melodies and between riffs? Because mm-hmm. looking at the complicated, fast kind of metals then there really is no difference in between. It could be like there, that fast metal band's riff could be like a maiden melody, kind of. Yeah. No. So it really like, yeah, it, it's difficult to exactly... It, with ACDC, it's easy to pinpoint what a riff is, but... Uh, yeah, with more a good summary bands, and very on topic for, for the show. I think our, our mission with the show is to find out like what's the edge of riffdom, as we say. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good way to put it, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So now you're also on, on, on the journey of riffdom. With yeah. Us. Yeah, I hope you will find your Babylon at some point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe not. Don't get a fever, though. Maybe no, don't get a fever.
Maybe it should be a direction, just a direction. You know, just always searching for the riff and the, and the journey is, is, is the goal. Yes. All right, so uh, let's say up the irons. Up the irons and up keep the irons. Keep on rock riffing. And of course, any Swedish-speaking listener, go and listen to Made in Podden directly. Yeah. Right now. Right, over now. Strålande. Yes, härligt. Det var en bra diskussion.